From the team at Splash, I'm Billy Bonson, and this is True Stories of Field Marketing, our podcast where we dive deep into the world of field marketing. You get the inside scoop from the best of the best in the industry, discussing the lessons they've learned, event strategies that work, and their personal secrets to success. On this episode of True Stories of Field Marketing, we were fortunate to sit down with not one, but two special guests for this episode. Michelle Radkowski, who is the Director of America's Field Marketing at Zscaler, as well as Andy Swick, who's the Vice President of Demand Generation there. What a great conversation we had. We were able to talk a little about their individual backgrounds, their current experiences, what they're focused on and working on at Zscaler. But we spent most of our conversation talking specifically about how we can break down barriers and silos between marketing functions. Each, both Michelle and Andy had great tips, great tricks and pointers on how field marketers, event marketers, demand marketers can work together to break down those different barriers and silos. All right. So without further ado, here's this episode of True Stories of Field Marketing. All right. Welcome. 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 Another episode of True Stories of Field Marketing. Today, I am joined by not one, but two very, very special guests. Michelle Rodkowski from Zscaler and Andy Swick, also from Zscaler. Michelle, Andy, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thank Thanks for having us. Doing great. Yeah, excited to be here. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm thrilled that both of you have joined us today. We have a very, very interesting episode. It's obviously, for those who have listened prior to, we've just had a one-on-one conversation. So we're having an additional person joining it. We have a very interesting topic we're going to be talking about today, which is breaking down silos between marketing functions. But before we hop into that, love to learn a little bit more about Michelle and Andy. So Michelle, why don't we start with you first? Tell us a little about who you are and your background. So I currently lead the field marketing team for the Americas at Zscaler. I've been with Zscaler now a little over five and a half years. Been definitely an exciting journey. Prior to Zscaler, I was at Dell Software, coming in through an acquisition from Quest, another acquisition. So I've I've ridden the acquisition journey, wore many different hats within marketing across, you know, demand gen, email, webinars, corporate events, customer advisory boards, et cetera. And so now at Zscaler, really driving the field marketing function here in the America's team. And what's the, if you had to, I guess, distill it down, what's your current charter look like? What's the, what's the chief focus of your role at Zscaler and what's the composition of the team that you're leading? Yeah. So for the America, so I would say field marketing, we are strategic business partners to the sales team. So the whole team is, is remote. Everybody kind of sits in territory to support the field sellers. So our number one goal is obviously to make sure that they're set up for success. So they're delivering, you know, their pipeline numbers, generating meetings and stuff for their target accounts. So really our important part of our charter is that strong partnership with the sales team, understanding their account base, understanding the different use cases within the accounts to really help position marketing plans for the region and for the accounts that they're going after. So we're kind of, so they say the, the face of marketing in the field. So we really have to understand everything that's going on in the world of marketing to be able to communicate that down to the sales team. You know, what's happening out there that's touching their accounts, you know, from digital to demand gen to, you know, corporate events, and then obviously down to the region. So, you know, having an understanding of everything that's happening in the, in the world of marketing for their accounts is super important. Awesome. Andy, talk to me. Tell me a little about yourself, your background, and your current charter at Zscaler and, and what your team looks like. 
Yeah, sure thing. So I am the vice president overseeing demand generation here at Zscaler. I've been here a little over a year. It's been an amazing run and we have an amazing group of leaders and people here at Zscaler. Super exciting time to be at the company. Prior to Zscaler, I was at BMC Software for about nine and a half years in various demand gen leadership roles. My team is, I have a pretty broad team. I've got several different functions reporting into me. I've got campaign development and content creation. So we're really looking at you know, developing the themes of our campaigns, aligning to Zscaler's positioning and differentiation, and then developing the content at the different stages of the buyer's journey that are going to address, you know, our targets and our segments. And I would say that, you know, a lot of that, you know, then kind of extends into what I would call like program development. So how do we come up with creative and new ways to get our message in front of those contacts? Then I oversee the demand execution function, which is really aligned to our different segments. Digital marketing reports into me, as well as global events, and also our global SDR organization, which is really essentially you know how we telequalify leads that are coming in and kind of extend into a lot of the accounts that we want to penetrate. Oh, so you have a few things under your plate then. Huh? A, few things, a few balls in the air. <laughs> just, just a few. Just a few, right, Michelle? Michelle, where, where are you based at? So the audience knows. So I am in Southern California, but I'm originally from Chicago. I okay. made my move to the West Coast about four years ago, but I will always be a Midwesterner at heart. So love my Midwestern people. So, but I'm in Southern California. Okay. Andy, what about yourself? I am based in Darnstown, Maryland, which is about 10 minutes from where I'm from. So I've been here, you know, essentially my whole life, you know, for the most part. I am a proud graduate of Salisbury University on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and I have my MBA from the University of Maryland at College Park. And in my free time, I try to coach my kids a little bit and try to get a little golf in when I can. Got it. So you both are probably incredibly busy people in both your roles. What keeps you up at night? What's motivating you to get out of bed in the morning? Michelle, you want to to jump on that first? Yeah, there's a lot of things outside of obviously on the personal level. You know, I have have two little ones as well. So making obviously I want to make sure that they're healthy and happy and stuff and, you know, successful. But professionally, obviously, you know, my team is number one and making sure that they always feel empowered, accomplished, you know, understand, you know, how to make themselves successful. They're amazing marketers, super honored to be able to work with them every day. Ultimately, I just want to make sure that they have all the tools and stuff for them to be successful. And obviously, for the company to be successful, you know, for us to be able to deliver, you know, strong marketing for to help build their the pipeline for the sales team. So it's a lot of different things, you know, obviously keep me up and, but also keep me going at the same time. Andy, what about yourself when you're staring up at the ceiling fan or the, I guess the ceiling <laughs> itself? I'm not sure if you have a ceiling fan, but if you stand up the ceiling at night, what's keeping you up at night? And then when that alarm goes off, whether it's the internal alarm or an alarm, what's motivating you to get out of the bed in the morning? Yeah, actually, I have both a ceiling and a ceiling fan, so okay. I'm very fortunate in that regard. <laughs> so typically, you do need this is a this is a fact, by the way. Typically, you do need a ceiling if you have a ceiling fan. Typically, Just, typically, yep, typically. Yeah, no, I would say what keeps me up at night is probably one of the same things that you know motivates me, and that's really the opportunity that we have at Zscaler and and kind of like where the company sits. We're in growth mode. We've been growing incredibly fast and now you know the company is is placing much larger investment in marketing and really looking to us to continue to drive that growth. So 
there's some pressure involved with that, of course. And you know, that extends not just to my team, but also to Michelle's team and kind of the broader marketing team. You know, there's a lot being asked of us and we all have, you know, a lot on our plate. So, you know, that comes with the pressure, of course, but it's also extremely, you know, motivating. And I would say the other thing that's a big motivator, and Michelle kind of alluded to this also, is I just have a fantastic team. You know, I inherited some great people. I've had the chance to bring in others who are who are amazing as well. And it's a super fun group that is extremely talented and they certainly make my life a lot easier. And just to plug too, we are hiring. So across okay. all functions within marketing. <laughs> that we are. So come, that we come are. join the Rocket Ship. Yeah. Come see us. Is it, yep. it zscaler.com backslash careers? Did I give the plug correctly? Or is it something similar like that? It's something similar. And if that's not it, just go to zscaler.com and you'll find it. Awesome. I want to get into the main topic today, which is, again, breaking down silos between marketing functions. But before we do so, this is obviously true stories of field marketing. I, I do want to do our featured segment, which is true story time. So before we get into this topic, I'd love to learn a bit more about the first impressions you've, you had of each other, right? So, you know, first impressions are key as the saying goes, you only get one chance to make one. So I believe, Michelle, you were at Zscaler before Andy was. So what was your first impression of Andy when he joined the company? Oh boy, Andy. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of pressure. I gotta, gotta say the right thing. No, honestly, I just was so, comfortable to have a conversation with him. Like he understands field marketing. So for me to be able to, you know, really talk to, to somebody as a, you know, marketing leader to understand, hey, these are the needs of the field, right? We're close to the sales team. And for them to understand, okay, you know, I'm here to support you. And just to have that open conversation was really just refreshing. And, you know, the fact that he listens and that's how he kind of drives his team too is that it's all about collaboration. So honestly, my, my first impression was great. And he's just funny and easy to talk to and <laughs> and super collaborative and stuff. So yeah, all good things. And, you know, super glad that obviously he came to the scaler. Andy, what about yourself? Let's pretend Michelle's not here. Let's like, let's say she's, <laughs> she's, she's now left the room. She's not listening. Your first, no, okay. Your first impression. Yeah, for, of, for those of you at home, I can actually see her face on the <laughs> on the Zoom, so it's a little hard to pretend. But no, in complete honesty, Michelle was one of the first people that reached out when I got to Zscaler and was super engaging and was super helpful in you know kind of me getting my bearings here. I kind of laugh every week when we have our one on one because. She was one of the first people who put a weekly one-on-one on my calendar and it says, you know, weekly one-on-one, Michelle from Field Marketing, and it still says that today. So I always laugh when I see it because yes, I know who you are now, Michelle, but it still says Michelle from Field Marketing. That's so, awesome. Yeah. No, she's been a great partner. And, you know, I think we have overcome a lot. You know, the, the organization's grown tremendously since I got here and and certainly since she got here. And just the change that we've undergone and you know, the partnership that we've had to kind of like, you know, get through those changes and, you know, really kind of like, you know, use those changes and the energy that's, you know, going into the organization, the energy and the investment. It's just been a super exciting time. And, you know, she's, she's definitely one of my partners in crime, you know, couldn't have done it without her. So, you know, super appreciative of, of all that she does. Definitely. Well, that's awesome to hear, but we have to now talk about how we break down those silos between marketing functions, because I do think based on my past experiences, I think based on others' past experiences, that there do tends to be that tension may not be the right word, but I would say that that disconnect between marketing functions. 
so to set the stage for the discussion, I think there's a very pertinent question that kind of gets to the heart of the matter. And that is, what do you think is the biggest cliche that the other function or another function would say or think or does with respect to what you and your team does? Michelle, you want to take that one first? Total trap question, first of <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> Go ahead, Michelle, fire away. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, our role as a field marketing manager has definitely evolved over time. But the fact that, you know, that we just do events and we're just party mm. planners. Like, I think yeah. that's, that's the biggest thing that, you know, events is obviously a big part of what we do. I mean, we're engaging with regional accounts, right? And so that's a way for us to engage. So I think from a visibility standpoint, that is pretty visible, right? We're engaging whether virtually, face-to-face, et cetera but it's not what we do. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, I would say from a cliche standpoint, but it's not all we do, right? It's not just events. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, you guys are party planners, right? Like, not really, <laughs> but thank you, thank you for thinking of that. Andy, what about for you and your team? What do you think that... For the record, I've never called them party planners. No, I think, I think <laughs> you know, the, the biggest thing for me is... Really, you know, just when others kind of like across the organization have trouble seeing the big picture, I think, you know, all of us have a lot on our plates. You know, each function has its own charter, its own direction that it's trying to go. And not, you know, it's that inability in many cases to not be able to see, you know, from the, you know, the, the seat that you're sitting in and, the, and that perspective, you know, and I think it requires leadership it requires you know tops down priorities and kind of alignment on how each of the different functions is going to contribute to you know that overarching goal or that overarching set of goals so that we all kind of understand how we play a role in those different building blocks yeah and that takes me to my next question and topic here is why do we think these silos exist is it especially between marketing functions i mean you're one team in theory is it territorial? Is it political? Is it like gamesmanship? Is it just a case sometimes of companies growing too fast, too quickly? Is it all a simple misunderstanding? What is your your take on the situation, Andy, if you want to hop in there first? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I mentioned our growth. Our growth is a big factor and we all have more projects than we have people to run them. And that's a problem that we're constantly trying to resolve through, you know, hiring great new people, but it doesn't always happen overnight. So, you know, when that's happening and everybody's heads down on their projects, actively communicating and you know really aligning across the teams is not the first thing that comes to mind. And you know getting that work done is the first thing that comes to mind. So you know we've tried to really put some measures in place and kind of you know we, we know that we have to over rotate a little bit on communication to really start to break those things down because it's real and it's certainly even more of a factor when you get into you know a predominantly virtual world like we are now. Michelle, what about yourself? Why do you think these silos exist? Yeah, I definitely echo Andy's comments. And I think too, the the way that the teams are being measured as well, I've seen in organizations where you almost get pinned up against each other too, where it's like, you know, we're all one team, we should all be, you know, driving towards collective kind of agreed upon results, what are our KPIs, how are we being measured? And ultimately, we're all in it together. Our, our North Stars obviously make the company succeed, make the sales team be successful. But I think that, you know, that's where I've seen in, in some companies too, where, you know, every team is kind of has their own metrics. And so it starts to become competitive. But yeah, I think Andy kind of hit the nail on the head though, too. So I echo his comments. So if I can peel the layer back one bit, because you guys talked about the plug earlier about, you know, 
Zscaler's hiring here. And Andy, you did mention that, I think you said, if I'm quoting you correctly, you have so many projects, but only so many people. I think something like that. I'm paraphrasing here. When you're thinking about potential hires, what are you prioritizing? Is it is it skill and experience over culture fit? Is it culture fit over skill and experience? Are they equal weighting? I mean, I'm assuming you guys have plenty of candidates to choose from. So I'm just curious to see what the the thought process is there. Yeah. I mean... I would say it's definitely a mix of both. You know, it's difficult when I've had a couple of roles semi recently where we've had, you know, 500 plus applicants. And, you know, just how do you even distill down to get to a single candidate that is going to kind of be the right fit? So we rely a lot on referrals from within the team, you know, kind of knowing folks that have been there and, you know, been there in the trenches with these, these candidates is super important. So we've had to, you know, lean a lot on that, but it's definitely a mix. And, you know, some of the great candidates come from those referrals. A lot of them do, but not all of them. And I mean, you can't, obviously the skill set has to be there, but, you know, I think that the culture fit is almost, if not more important, you know, because I feel like if you've got kind of the core understanding of where we want to go, we can teach you the rest. I mean, yeah, you know, we can get you there, but you got to be, you know, kind of in line with, you know, how the team operates and all of that, which I think is, you know, very apparent with a lot of the folks that, that we've been able to bring on board. You know, we, we do, we are building an amazing culture. Michelle, do you concur with that thought? I do. If I can add to that too, I mean, the culture is definitely a big one. I mean, you can't teach work ethic, right? You can't instill necessarily like passion in somebody. They have to be, you know, passionate, have a strong work ethic, be flexible as far as change. I mean, it's not just change because obviously we're growing as a company, but even just in industry, I mean, look, COVID in itself, you know, really tested everybody and, and challenged everybody. So you have to be open to change, you know. So I think those are definitely the additional elements I would I would add to what Andy said. Yeah. And the reason I bring it up because the next thing I want to talk about is, is how we break down those silos and barriers. And so my personal take here, and I'm not sure anybody really cares. It's listening to my personal take, but if I had to give my two cents, I do think one of the ways, one of the more important ways to break down those silos and barriers is by building a culture of trust and building a culture of trust is predicated upon building relationships. And so that's my take, but I think the audience is more probably curious about what your take is and, and specifically, you know, what are some of the ways that you've been able to break down, you know, styles and barriers? Are there any types of, you know, communication or behavioral tips that you can share with the audience that you think is kind of like the black book to get into breaking down styles and barriers? Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as you were saying, I know that people listening can't see us nodding our heads with complete agreement as to us. Trust is definitely a big one. And I think we kind of touched on a few things earlier where it is the communication and really having an aligned plan, having leadership, number one, kind of really bring everybody together that we are one collective team. So I think leadership, you know, starting at the top definitely plays a big part in it. But at the, you know, in the functional levels, communication is definitely key. So considering now that I'm sure most people are still sitting remote as a field marketing person, you know, in a field marketing team, we've pretty much all been remote. So being remote is just kind of something that we're used to. And so we rely on that communication. And it's not just, hey, I'm going to send an email, but it's let's have a conversation live, you know, Zoom, phone call, whatever it may be. So what I 
typically do, like Andy will come on my team calls. I have my weekly team calls. We have, you know, Andy comes in. We have that opportunity to give feedback. We have opportunity for Andy to also provide, you know, updates to the team. We also have kind of biweekly conversations where the plans can be shared and, hey, here's what's coming up. And we have also the opportunity to give that feedback too. So I think feedback sessions are so critical. It's not just, hey, I'm throwing this over the fence, but it's, hey, this is what we built because it's aligning to our strategy and, you know, our go-to-market plan. And then this is what we're kind of arming you with. And then we have the opportunity to have that conversation and say, this is working. This is not, this is kind of what we still need. So old school, just set up a call, have that conversation. So that that's what's been working well for us. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you both nailed it. I don't know how much else I would add other than just kind of like the proactive, you know, approach to just getting out in front of it, you know, and basically, you know, kind of involving all of the teams in planning, ensuring that, you know, we are very crystal clear on, you know, what each of us is trying to achieve and why. My team takes a lot of input from the teams in the various geos. Michelle's team is obviously a very important partner. We need that input. They have the relationships, as she kind of stated up front, with the folks in the field. So being able to kind of understand where we place investment or where we run different programs or you know what her team needs to run different programs is key. And once we kind of interlock on that stuff up front, makes it a lot easier downstream to continue and to execute. If I can add one thing to that. To not take things personally, because just because feedback's being provided, like it doesn't mean that it's something against you or, or you did this bad or anything. It's not at all. So I think just continuing to have that open mindset from both sides of, you know, this is what we need from field marketing feedback. This is what we need from, you know, demand gen team. So please just one thing, just don't ever take things personally, right? When again, we're one team. It's, it's all about collaboration for us to be successful. Love that. Thank you. I think that's more people need to hear that, Michelle. <laughs> Has Zscaler run any offsites recently where, where you've brought the entire marketing team together? Nope. Nope. No. In fact, I've met my boss once face to face. I've worked for him for about 10 months now, I think. The folks that I've met on my team face to face, the only ones that I've actually like met face to face, I knew before I got here and I brought them over here. So um, yeah, it's Michelle and I have never met in person. We see each other like this pretty much on a daily basis. But yeah, it is a challenging time for sure. Assuming, I can't assume anything with this pandemic, but assuming this pandemic ends hopefully soon, do you see the value in periodic offsites where whether it's Andy, just your team together, or it's the entire marketing team together just to you know put an in-person face with an in-person name? Do you see any value in, in offsites like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's a ton of value in that. A story actually came to mind because you know one of the things that we do struggle with is is Zoom fatigue. You know we're all on Zooms, you know day in and day out. There are days where I have you know between fifteen and twenty straight Zoom calls in a row, and I'm sure Michelle's in the same boat. We have to make you know we have to kind of go overboard. Actually, Michelle had a there's a great example of that. We finished our fiscal year, and Michelle pulled my team and her team together. Did like a Friday afternoon, like happy hour thing. What was the service that you used, Michelle, to kind of like run the game? Yeah, it was like a third party. I'm very like on the name of the vendor, but yeah, it was a way for us yeah. to engage and have some fun. I think we're all working super hard, but yeah, it was a third party brought in to do a little, little game time. That was done virtually or that was, that was, it was done virtually. Yeah. It was done virtually, but like just, 
we could all like just kind of be humans instead of <laughs> you know being kind of like this this Zoom persona that that we've you know created for ourselves. And it was you know our time to be a little bit goofy and kind of you know just connect with people more on a human level. And and I think it things like that go a long way. I mean, you know, I was a little apprehensive about it going in, like, okay, it's like, we're on Zooms all day. Now we're going to play a Zoom game. Like, is this, you know, just kind of overkill at this point, but it actually was super valuable, I thought. And, you know, just starts to create some of those relationships. Back to your point, I mean, getting people face-to-face again and being able to get into rooms together and, you know, do social things together, I think goes a long way to team building. Yeah. It's so interesting because we had an offsite back in, in August and, the people that you would least expect to have a connection with in person, you wouldn't get that over like a Zoom or a Slack. Like, you know, most of the times where it's an avatar communicating to another avatar or a virtual Zoom communicating to a virtual Zoom. But when you're in person with somebody, it just is a totally different level of engagement and connection. And it's just, it was interesting to me just kind of watch and take note how people interact. You wouldn't, I like, I wouldn't expect person X to be chatting with person Y at length and they seem to be hitting it off. You know what I mean? So I think it goes back to at least my original take here, which is I think that relationship building is so critical in breaking down those silos. Because once people, I think, have a, let's call it, I mean, a personal relationship, I don't know if that's too strong of a word, but once they have a relationship established that usually leads to trust, and I think then the sky's the limit there as far as what they can accomplish together professionally. 100%. Yeah. I want to make sure we're cognizant on time here. I have a few more things to, to touch upon here. So Michelle, what should field marketers expect of the demand team? And then Andy, conversely, what should demand marketers or folks on the demand generation team expect of the field team? Yeah, that's a great question. So ultimately, obviously, for them to understand that we're, you know, we're tied into the sales team, we are aligned to a certain set of accounts as well. And, the, you know, there's certain sales motions that are happening that we are aware of, we're cognizant of. And so that comes back to the communication of for us to be able to share with the demand gen team of, hey, these accounts, their sensitivity because, you know, there's opportunities in flight versus these are cold accounts. Hey, these are the accounts that we want to prioritize. So having that communication. And so, I, you know, from a demand gen team, I think it's field marketers to be able to also be proactive. And make them aware of, hey, these are the needs, these are the gaps, these are, you know, potential opportunities for us to go after. This is where we can, you know, use some help and just for them to be receptive and for us to kind of collaborate on the marketing efforts. But at the same time, too, I think for all the programs that the demand gen team is building, that it's something that will actually, you know, that we'll be able to use. So that comes back to the feedback that we kind of talked about earlier, too. All the goodness that's being created from the demand gen team that we're also, you know, we're using it and we're providing them the feedback and they're actually receptive of the feedback. So that those are some of the things that I would touch on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's obviously with COVID and everything, it's been, it's been a tough time to, to be a party planner. <laughs> Andy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love field marketing. No, look, COVID has had a significant impact on field marketers, right? I mean, you know, the traditional field marketing, regional, kind of more event-heavy approach. It was starting to evolve away from that and more to kind of an ABM model anyway. COVID's just accelerated a lot of that. And you know, now that everybody's virtual, there's a lot less that's really regional. You know, so how do you actually 
then kind of like make sure that the field marketing teams like have all the things that they need. So that like one of the things that we've, you know, really been trying to partner on is, you know, working very closely with Michelle's team and the other field marketing teams, you know, in the other geos to really kind of like predefine a lot of the programs that they, you know, want to run and then be able to kind of collaborate and build those things so that we have that coordination. So what do we expect of those field teams? That collaboration. You know, we we want that input. We're not field marketers, but we are the campaign development and the programs team. And we want to make sure that what we're building and the content that we're developing and everything else is something that they can then take and actually put to great use and, and drive results, you know, in the regions. Awesome. All right. Last question here, and then we'll wrap up with a few rapid fires here. So another true story time here. Do each of you have a specific example or a story you can share of how you broke down a barrier or barriers at either Zscaler or at a past organization? You know, let's say you were having a challenge with function X or function Y. What was a method or tip or trick or thing you did to ensure that that barrier kind of went away? So I was going to use Michelle's example of planning the Friday happy hour event. So I'm going to, I'm going to defer to her on this one since I've already used my example, <laughs> which was actually her example. <laughs> oh man. I think so. I, I mean, from a specific example, you know, I think that, so at Zscale, I'll just kind of speak to Zscaler specifically because we are in a very like situation of growth and because there's so much, you know, there's more new people joining than there are people that I think have been here longer tenured that it's not okay, who's who, who do I go to for what? And so, you know, we've had to, you know, with the growing team, there's so many new people joining. So just having an understanding of like these biweekly calls of, okay, you know, who's working on on what programs, communications of plans has really helped. And so I think the, you know, I've kind of come to Andy before of like, I just can understand like, you know, who's on on the team? What are they working on? And then we really addressed that with these biweekly calls. We've addressed it with, you know, him joining our, our team calls and the communication. So, you know, we're continuing to keep that in the communication and collaboration elements that we've kind of talked about. But it's, it's a unique situation, I guess, not, you know, I feel very lucky, obviously, because we are going through such mass, massive growth and we're able to really grow the team. But I think it's part of the growing pains, right? Of just so many new people joining. And so we just, we need to plan another happy hour, Andy, with all our new faces. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when push comes to shove, the way you break down barriers is a little food and booze, right? Can't, yeah. exactly. can't replicate that. <laughs> I'm not advocating for <laughs> any binge drinking or any, anything like that. Just want to make sure it's perfectly clear and stated. Let's wrap up here. So a few rapid fires here. Michelle, you can go first on these and then Andy can chime in. Michelle, what's the hardest part about what you do? And what is your favorite part about what you do? I think the hardest part is probably cutting through the noise, especially as a field marketing manager, like in a post-COVID world, there's so much noise out there that like you have to really, that's where the ABM component comes in to be able to understand how are we marketing to those accounts? What do they care about? Who are the people that we're going after? And being able to still move around those, on those results. But I think the you know, some of the things that I, I love is the fact that we can be creative. So when we do identify opportunities that we can really be creative. And, you know, as a field market manager, it's, it's important to continue to to look for ways to really, again, cut through the noise, you know, have that feeling of like empowerment to really be able to try new things so fast and, you know, change some things for later. 
And obviously, you know, as a field market manager, you have to love working with the sales team. And we love our salespeople. So <laughs> definitely that's a fair part of being in the in the field marketing role is is really partnering with them. Andy? Yeah, I mean, to just build on what Michelle was saying, I mean, I think it's really hard to do account-based marketing at scale. You know, we've got an opportunity to really grab market share and and all that. How do we get relevant and personalized to, you know, this this broad set of accounts and just, you know, really kind of make it ourselves as relevant as possible? And a lot of the answer to that question is through the partnership that we have with the field teams because, you know, they're really the ones that are sitting there with the sales guys and, you know, crafting those more specific and personalized messages. So continuing to adopt the right tools and the right processes and building the right programs to skin that cat is certainly something that you know we're continuing to try to do. As far as my the favorite part of my job, so I'm a very numbers driven guy, you know, I like dashboards with my coffee, so I wake up in the morning and you know, I want to look at where we are from a pipeline perspective, you know, what are the results that we're driving, those kinds of things. So that's always been my motivating factor of you know why I'm in demand and why this has been my focus. So I'm trying to instill that love for pipeline in my team and really continue to try to drive results for the company. So if I can circle back to question one, I guess what would also keep you up at night is those dashboards crash. So if like your Tableau instance or Looker or whatever you guys use or Salesforce went down, that would keep you up looking at the ceiling with the ceiling fan? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ceiling with the ceiling fan. Yes, sir. <laughs> Last thing here, if you could send a, Michelle first, please, if you could send a Slack or text message to every field marketer in the world today or an email, you don't have to be Slack or text, be an email as well. What would it say? I think definitely continue learning, be open to change, stay positive. I'm a very glass half full kind of person. And so we all face change in our lives. So I think just be open to change, stay positive, always keep learning. Those would be kind of the some of some of the message I would send, along with like some kind of meme, you know, you know, dog jumping in the in the in the sunflowers or something. <laughs> you always got to throw a meme in there. Yes. <laughs> I'm more of a GIF guy, but yeah, I would say that give us feedback. So you know, we want, as we kind of alluded to earlier, like the unfiltered feedback. Big believer in you know making sure that we have those open lines of communication, and that we know that. We know what is being used and what is successful so that we can replicate that. We can fail fast. You know, we can make sure that the teams have what they need. So the feedback loop is absolutely critical to success. Awesome. Well, look, Michelle, Andy, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can people follow you online? Are you either of you active LinkedIn users or Twitter or... I don't know, MySpace, Facebook, any, anywhere that people can catch your latest Andy, music. Andy, I think, still has a MySpace account, right, Andy? Definitely on MySpace. <laughs> yep. Look me up on MySpace. <laughs> and if you can't find me there, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yep. Michelle, yeah. LinkedIn. <laughs> Same LinkedIn. Yep. Well, thank you both for your time. We appreciate you guys hopping on here, True Stories of Field Marketing, and hope the audience enjoyed this episode. Take care, everyone. Until next time. Thank you. True Stories of Field Marketing is a production of Splash, an event marketing platform that makes your events measurable, on-brand, beautiful, and easier than ever. You can enjoy True Stories of Field Marketing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. I am Billy Bonson. We'll see you next time.